This is the ActiveX Back Show from Edinburgh, Scotland's vibrant capital. Hosted by award-winning registered osteopath, author and all-round pain guru, Gavin Routledge. If you want relief or prevention of lower back pain or sciatica, and you want to be healthier, keep listening. The following programme should not be taken as medical advice, but for informational purposes only. Hey, ActiveXer. This is a cracking episode for you. In this episode, I'm interviewing Susie Weigert, who, as you can probably tell from the title, has had three successful lumbar disc surgeries over spanning a period of about 14 years. I've known her through the length of that time and helped her through that journey. But this is Susie's story, and if you're considering lumbar surgery yourself, or indeed any kind of disc surgery, then this is well worth a listen. She has lots of practical tips as well as hope um, because if you're considering surgery, you may feel a little bit hopeless at times, but Susie is a beacon of hope. So I commend this episode to you. Please listen to the whole thing because there's value right the way to the very end and uh, enjoy. So I'll hand you over to my interview with Susie Weigert. So, hello, Susie. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you very much, Gavin, for asking me. It's a uh, pleasure. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you. And, of course, we've known one another for many years, um, possibly more years than you would like, uh, given <laughs> the reason for our meeting in the first place. Yeah, that's a, that's a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. But um, it is a long story, Susie, and that's, that's why I was keen for you to tell it. Um, I think you have a lot of value that you can bring to anybody considering surgery. Um, yeah. Perhaps we could start with you just, if you're happy to do so, just give a brief overview of who you are and how, you know, how we met. Well, who I am, I thought this was a very odd thing to have to summarise, <laughs> but I tried to do it and came up with my working life has been all about people languages, Scotland, and whiskey. So for over 30 years, I've worked as a tour guide, a blue badge tour guide, taking people around Scotland and also around Edinburgh a lot. And for many of those years, I also taught at Stevenson College on the Scottish Tourism and Languages course. And I also had the best hobby job in the world in that I did conducted whiskey tastings for the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society. Many in Edinburgh, but not all in Edinburgh. So I travelled with that as well. And it was absolutely brilliant. So I've had a really interesting and varied working life for the past three decades. And the, and the languages element, Susie? Well, I did an interpreting and translating course at Harriet Watt. And just when the course finished, which was in 1984, there was a notice on the student notice board that said people wanted to take visitors around Scotland in German and French. And I thought, oh, I could do that. And so I did and uh, loved it. And then uh, as I was doing it for the year, because the coach drivers told me, they said, you're meant to do a training for this. And so I found out about the Blue Badge course and did that the following year. Right. One of the coach drivers put in a word for me because he told me. Uh-huh. Very good. So, so in essence, you've helped uh, French and German speakers or predominantly German speakers? It's predominantly German speakers because that's my background in a way. Although I wasn't brought up speaking German, I, I um, did do the interpreting translating course. Right. So you've helped, which them, is drink, a fo- helped them drink whiskey. Yeah, I've helped lots of Germans drink whiskey and Austrians and Swiss. Good, good, good. That's great. Thanks, Susie. Um, always helps if people understand yeah, just roughly who you are. Um, but more, perhaps even more pertinent is um, how did we meet? Um, so We met because I was at the hairdressers across the road from when you were in the Westport. Uh-huh. And I was talking to the hairdresser about my back stuff. And he said, have you tried the guy over the road? I thought, no, but things are hellish. Nobody else has been able to do anything. And this will be my one last try. If this doesn't work, I have no idea what I will do. Hmm. And so I just crossed the road. I, I, and I ever knew that I'd forgotten that part of our story. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, you you looked at my MRI scan, which I'd already had done because the problems had actually started eight months before. And you read three prolapse discs, I think even herniated discs, actually. One was severe and two were moderate. And I, you just stood there and looked very concerned and read it several times. And I had said, can you help me? And you said, I don't know, but I can try. Mm-hmm. So that's how we met. Okay. All right. And how long ago was that? That was uh, nearly 15 years ago. Right. It is actually pretty Just, much 15 years, yeah. yeah. And because uh, I know we've got a lot to get into in terms of detail, <laughs> um, if, if it, if it is possible, be... if you think it's possible, can can you just give us a summary of what's happened over those 15 years, the highs and the lows or the, the most serious Yeah. The absolute summary form is... I had three surgeries on three different discs. All were successful. Absolutely all were successful. I never looked back after the surgeries. That wasn't the whole story. The story was I considered long and hard before every surgery. With great trepidation, I went into these things. And I had massive help. And you were a big part of that massive help. And the other thing is, I learned a lot. If I go back 15 years, I was underinformed. And I look now at what I have accumulated in knowledge, and it's huge. So three oh, my, my thing has come up back here. Um, three big things. So the surgeries, your help and what I did mm. through knowledge. Okay. Well, that, that's um, surgeries, um, the knowledge and, and what I did. Was that the three? Yep. That is the three prongs, okay. yeah. Well, maybe, three prong maybe that thing. gives us three legs of a stool that we can look at each one. We have definitely three legs of the stool. Which one do you want first? Uh, well, we'll avoid the vanity option and go. <laughs> um, well, let, let's because probably one of the motivations for people sort of listening to this is probably that they may very well be considering surgery. So why don't we start with the big one? Well, the big one was. First of all, I think we have to go back to how it happened and what happened as it happened. So. I was setting off for Stevenson College and it was going to be a terrible day because I was going to have one of the worst working days ever. I co-taught with a friend and she had been diagnosed with inoperable cancer and I had to tell with my boss all the students we co-taught. So that was my starting point. If you talk of, you know, stress can motivate, be the final thing, that was the most awful thing. And I coughed and suddenly I couldn't move. I couldn't move my leg. I could not move my leg. I pulled with my trousers, my leg along. I thought, well, I could get to the car, see if I can get in it, drive out. And I had to pull myself along the railing and pull my leg. And several people said, are you all right? I said, I think so. Uh And I got to the car and I could move the pedals and it was okay. And I've always been able to sit. I can sit for Scotland. That is no problem. Mm. And I managed to dry. I know, I know a lot of your Mm. patients can't, but for some reason that's okay for me. So I drove out and had the most horrendous several hours talking to people in college left, went to the doctors. I could hardly get out of the car. They looked at me, signed me off work. I managed to get home and a neighbor was there. And I said, could you get a futon out? Could you roll out a futon for me? And because I thought the bed was too squashy. And I just lay on the futon on the floor. And that was the beginning of really quite a horror story. And it just didn't get better. I had a lot of help. Another neighbor said, you need physiotherapy. The best physios are the sports injuries clinic at the Pleasance. I thought, okay. I got. A t- I thought it would, because I'd had on and off back problems for about 20 years before that, but only low level. Yeah. And I thought, okay, 
And a taxi came to pick me up. This shows you how bad it was. The taxi driver took one look at me and put out his arm for me to take. (laughs) (laughs) And I had several pieces of the taxi. Got in. He took me on his arm up the ramp to the door. I thought, this is what it's like when you're 95. (laughs) And then... (laughs) The the people on reception said, oh, it's through the along the corridor, double doors on your right. I thought, I can't go along a corridor. I can't open double doors. So I just said that. And two physios came and virtually lifted me through. So in the first physiotherapy session, which was hugely valuable, this lovely woman who was very pregnant, she spent so much time with me. She actually got other patients in at the same time, but she said, I can't let you go home like that. And I had tears running down my face. I didn't even know I was crying because I didn't feel I was crying, but it was so painful. My face was wet. Oh, God. (laughs) It's hard to know. It was just all, it was in my back. It was in, probably a lot was in the muscles in my back. But I also have to say that my, because as you may gather with the taxi driver putting out his hand, I couldn't stand straight. I was I was bent over like an old, old, you know, I would use the word crone, but it's not a good word. It's not very flattering. And, and also, I, my back, as, as that's when I was signed off work, I was straight from my legs to my hips, and then I went over sideways from my hips. And it was a big angle sideways. So I was side, bent sideways and bent yeah. forward. It was not yeah. nice. So... that's the background to surgery so if the next and i had the mri and in those days it was five months wait for an mri scan it was a long time but it was quite i felt that was okay because it let me think if i i'm going to get better well you know uh, it's fine and i i did see another osteopath and i was not it was not for me and i saw another person and they were also i thought and Anyway, I just thought, okay, and I did the, right from the word go, I started doing the exercises. This lovely physiotherapist said very helpful things, actually. She said, if you do this, what I'm telling you to do, every day for four months, you will have a strong core. And I couldn't do anything. I'd been signed off work. I could hardly walk through the house. And I thought, this is something I can do. Because I like doing things, and that was something I could do. They no, they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, Mm. I was lucky with that. So um, the first surgery, I can, I I think maybe we could group together the surgeon's comments because you know one two and three they're all pretty much of a muchness it was those three discs that had gone in the beginning that the 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 severe one first and then the moderate ones took a turn for the worse if we could say that um with little provocation it has to be said too but but what the surgeon said really made me think and realize I couldn't get out of this in any other way. I'm actually about to burst into tears now because it's such an emotional thing. I mean, my life had stopped. It had gone. It had gone. So the first surgeon, this was a comment on the MRI scan, said, we hardly ever see them as bad as this. We never see them any worse than this. And then he said, you're right at the end of the scale. So that made me think, uh, for some ridiculous reason, I'm an optimist. And I thought, well, that means they can help me. If they get rid of that problem, they've got rid of a big problem, uh-huh. not a wee one. Yeah. And that contrasts with the second one. So there's a different surgeon, and it was somebody who was about to retire in a few weeks' time. And he said, he looked at the MRI, and he said, there are three things, he said. There are discs which prolapse easily. There's a narrow spinal canal, and there are thick nerves. He said, you can get away with one. You maybe get away with two, but you can't get away with three, and you've got three. So again, what I was being told was, you have a problem that you can't change, 
I can't do anything about a narrow spinal canal. That's how I'm born. There's back problems in my family. And I thought, that makes sense. Did switch prolapse easily? Same thing. In, in a, you know, also family link, thick nerves, probably the same. And I thought, well, what I can do is become stronger. That's the one thing yeah. I can, can do. Can I pause you there, Susie, and just, just you can. allow you to take a breath and, and for me to clarify <laughs> for people listening that um, yeah. what we look for on an MRI typically is what's called displacement of the nerve. So, <laughs> That's quite <laughs> Sorry, so, so you can have a prolapse, but if the prolapse doesn't displace the nerve, then you may not actually have any symptoms. And this is very common in the normal population. You can have prolapses, herniations, and so on, but they don't have any pain. But if that nerve is displaced by the disc bulging out, and especially if it's essentially trapped between the disc and the bone behind it, then you are highly likely to have pain radiating down the length of that nerve. And what Susie's saying is that she had a significant size disc prolapse, she had a narrow space, uh, and she had a big nerve. So really, you know, it was inevitable that that nerve would be causing a lot of pain, as indeed I remember it was, although not as vividly as I'm sure you remember. (laughs) Exactly. It was pain... But it was also, I'm getting distracted from what the surgeon said, but just to add in, it was pain, but it was also the most demonic. Pins and needles sounds friendly. This was not friendly. This was barbed wire round my legs being tightened. It it was just overwhelming. And it didn't go away. It wouldn't go. Anyway, the good thing was the surgery was positive. And when I went for a checkup, because this is now 10 years ago, and there were checkups then, there weren't for the third one. I stood up, I was called through, I stood up, and the surgeon said, you can tell as soon as people stand up which ones you've been able to help. I thought that was very positive. And then he also said to me, he said it wasn't very big. I thought, it wasn't very big, that much pain, it wasn't very big. And then he said something which I thought is really good for people who have MRI scans and they're red. He said, it doesn't have to be big. It was in the wrong place. And I said, it was in the wrong place. And he went, it was in the wrong place. So, you know, quite emphatically, he really wanted me to know that. Yeah, obviously compressing the nerve against the bone just nowhere nowhere for the nerve to go yep yep Mm. do you want number three this was a this was uh, the surgeon coming to the bedside so for this one the intention had been to give me um the one of the very few female neurosurgeons who i was told was she's international standing Anyway, I'm lying there with all the people in their green robes and she tells me that she's mm-hmm. not going to do the surgery. And I went, oh. Anyway, I was, I, the, surger, the surgeon who came to my bedside had only done half the surgery because it was so difficult. The female neurosurgeon was called mm-hmm. through to finish. So, the, it, you know, again, mm-hmm. it, it was bad. <laughs> And the the tone of his voice as he said these words was just remarkable. He was almost uh, it was almost like he 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 was overpowered by what he was saying. He said, "Your nerve was raw. It was red. It was red raw." And the 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 nerve sensations with that one, they were the most horrendous and. Uh, it, 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 they were even worse than the, than the, <laughs> than the barbed wire. It was more like eating eating animals eating me. But it was it just flooded through, and I I, I only had could walk, I could only walk two steps before it happened. I could only walk two steps. Mm-hmm. I couldn't cross a room. And just while we're on that, so given how red raw the nerve was, uh, I think anybody listening who's considering surgery would be really intrigued to know post surgery. How how soon did you feel better? How long did the whole process of recovery take? Well, in all three cases, 
recovery was incredibly really? quick. Although there was more lasting stuff for the red mm-hmm. raw nerve one, the third one. So can you can you quantify how so incredibly the, quick it is incredibly quick? Right. Surgery number one, bang. Mm-hmm. Really incredible. Incredible. Just instantly. I mean, you're on drugs, obviously. So instantly is drug-induced instantly. But you're not given morphine. They don't like to give you morphine, funnily enough. You have to know the name of the queen and all sorts. (laughs) Or who's prime minister. But anyway, they're not into that. So I just got better and better and better. You have to observe what you're told, which is, you know, be careful. So 20 minutes lie down, 20 minutes lie down. And um, I was vigilant and absolutely spot on about, and I had huge help um, to only do what I could do. So I never did more than I could do. And therefore I didn't have any yo-yoing, if you like. I was straight in there and, so, and getting again, better. I'm going to try and pin you down on this one. Um, in terms of, oh. <laughs> let's say, three days after surgery, if you could put a percentage of less pain on it, are we talking like 50% less pain three days post-surgery? Oh, what? Easy, easy. Woo, right. more. Really more, 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 yeah, particularly with the first two. The first two were very, very, um, as a, well, I think also one thing is you're lying in bed a lot of the time for those first days. So you're, you're not marching around the place mm-hmm. and you're not making demands on yourself. So, and you get up for your 20 minutes. And they say only do that three times a day and sit, you know, sit for meals, but meals and three 20 minute walks a day. And the rest of the time, I felt absolutely fine. We'd kind of rigged up the bed so that I had a lying down part and a propped up part so that I could shuffle between the two. And the other really interesting thing, I think, is for all three surgeries, I had a view of trees. So at home, we have a view of trees and also amazingly in the beds i managed to get a tree in and i recently was at um a book festival talk actually with gavin francis who's the edinburgh doctor who writes books and it was an audience question and it was about this it was about how we're influenced by our surroundings and getting better and somebody somewhere has done some sort of survey and found that people who have a view of trees need a third oh, fewer right. analgesics we'll that one down quickly yeah scribble that one down quickly mm-hmm. i thought yeah i get it i get it i get it i get it mm-hmm. that's exactly how i felt and i, I mean i mean i i I was able to look out of the window and Mm. see things which gave me joy. And also I had huge support, which also brought me joy. And I was surrounded by goodwill and kindness and helpfulness and just people being absolutely gorgeous and wonderful. So I had a lot of good. Mm. And I think all that helped. Just staying on that point, the support of others so not yep. just the actual surgery, which obviously was very <laughs> successful, but that all-round support from friends, family, loved ones. Uh, can, can you quantify how valuable that is? Mm. Oh, 10 out of 10. I mean, the, you could, you, that's what you need. I mean, in a sense, what you've done to yourself is wounding. You've got a wound. It's only a little wound, actually, but you've you've mentally been pretty scarred. And I only had the surgeries after a year of awfulness. In, in the first one, it was well over a year of awfulness. And so you have, have got an accumulation of awfulness in your system. And when that is translated into freedom of the pain, the strong belief you've done the right thing, which you never know till you're through it, and to have all these lovely people being so wonderful and caring and kind and generous and all of that. Yeah, 
I mean, that has to be a 10 because you're going from a huge, deep, horrible place yeah, yeah. into I, I a lovely definitely place. From having at a distance observed a number of people having disc surgery over the years and other surgeries say or recommend to people that make sure you have a support network before you go into this because if you, you think that surgery is just going to fix it absolutely and, you know everything will be fine uh, a week or two weeks after surgery then think again you, know, you will need and benefit massively from emotional and physical support um, and yeah i mean i, I saw a young man just yesterday who has a very substantial disc problem in the sense that he had a huge amount of pain he was very agitated by his pain and he's considering surgery and my concern for him is he's so young he, he might just think that he's gonna he's gonna have the surgery and everything will be fine uh, and i think he you know he really as yeah. you had he needs support um build up and beyond surgery so make, make yeah. sure that you're talking to your loved ones and that they yeah. get it hopefully they'll get it anyway but you know it can be hard for mm. people if they've not lived through what you're living through i think as with absolutely everything unless you've been there you don't know it, that's about every single thing that ever happens to us. I mean, childbirth is the clearest example of it. But, you know, there are many other things. But, yeah, you just don't know. And people can pick up your messaging, uh, but I would wholeheartedly agree with what so you're saying there, the Gavin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, are there yeah? things that, you, that surprised you about surgery? Are the things that you would um, not warn people, but highlight to people that they should be thinking about if they're considering surgery? Well, I no, nothing huge, except I would say stick absolutely rigorously to the amount of exercise you do building up. Do not overdo things. Just don't. And if you say, well, I can't, somebody's got to hang the washing up. Well, open the door and ask the passerby. Just say, excuse me, could you help with the washing? Yeah. <laughs> and people will. Pe I mean, not in coronavirus times, but people actually want to be helpful. So I would say, don't be scared to ask for help. And if you, yeah, just, yeah. you know, enlist. <laughs> enlist helpful people. The other thing that happened with the second surgery, and I wasn't going to mention this, but I think I will in terms of it's actually all right. So you sign a disclaimer thing before you go in and you're warned about a percentage chance, I think it was 1%, of um, a, oh, yes, a loss yeah. of cerebrospinal fluid. And this happened to me. So I came out of surgery and the surgery had taken twice as long as it was meant to because it was meant to be however long. And yet when I came out and I looked at the first clock, it was way on in the day. And uh, so, yeah. And I was told, don't sit up. You've got to lie flat on your back for 24 hours. So I was looking at the ceiling for 24 hours. Yeah. And But what I would say is that was fine. And I was told, um, if you sit up, you'll get the mother of all headaches. And... But it does, it builds up over whatever it was. And it was mucked. It was on the 24 hours. On the mm. 24 hours, somebody came in and said, yeah. you can sit so up you now. didn't get the mother of all headaches. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't people, get the mother uh, of all headaches at all. No. So what I, I would then I have met people say, who have. And as you, sorry? I believe they are truly horrendous. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... For me, yeah, well, okay, you've had a different experience. Um, so, so, yeah, so things can go yeah, wrong. Fortunately virtually. for me, nothing substantial <laughs> or lasting went wrong. The surgeries were very yeah. much a success. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think because of the nerve damage that happened, I'll just talk about the recovery for the third one, because the first two were very, very quick recoveries, I think. And there weren't any blips, really. I mean, you get niggly bits, 
but I could usually trace that to what I'd done or not done. Or, But with the third one, I think that red raw nerve wasn't going to heal quickly. And I got a lot of, um, almost like, if anybody remembers before they had Velcro, remember cycle clips that are metal? It felt like cycle clips around your legs. Mm-hmm. And uh, those leg clamps. And also tingling. The tingling took a long time, months actually, to die back. And I would get it underneath mm-hmm. the sole of my foot. And that wasn't nice. And I had I had different strategies for all of these things. And one thing, if I could recommend some of the things I did, I don't know if this is a good moment, Gavin, but recommend some of the things that I did to get through that. Mm-hmm. I used walking poles, so the ski pole type idea. Mm-hmm. And they are very kind to you. And they spread the load of you on your joints. And, I mean, it, it, it's just an easy thing to do. And if you don't need them, yeah. then you can carry them. And if you do need them, then they're there. Uh, and I also was extraordinarily lucky. I don't know why this was. I'd had no pain cycling, either before the surgeries or after. Although I took a while to get back on my bike, obviously. But I, I was think I was fortunate in that. And I would also use my bike as a frame. I could walk beside it. I probably was twisting a wee bit, but at least I could get my legs moving. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just took my bike for a walk around yeah, the block. So almost like a walk. And that worked Something for me. Something called a zimmer or a walker, or it was there giving you support. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was basically allowing you to move your legs, but with help. That's the, the thing. And I had lots of little, uh, most from you actually, Gavin, hot tips on how to do things. Um, and then those little things, if if it, you know, everyone's a little thing. So walk to the midline and when you're standing, because standing was my bugbear, bring your heels together and that activates your bum muscles. That's really useful. And how you stand tall with your fingers on your hips and your rib cage and you breathe in and hold and then you breathe in again and hold that. If you add together mm-hmm. all those little yeah. things, it makes a big thing. So all those wee things um, added in, had, added together well, were huge. You, you've had so much experience with three significant disc problems that you had the opportunity to learn yeah. <laughs> all of those little things make a difference. So my experience is people are often, understandably, because they're in a lot of pain, they're in a hurry, they want, want everything now, um, but it's yes. confusing because sometimes the pain is really bad, sometimes it's not quite as bad and, and it's difficult to know what's making it worse, what's making it better. And you can only really learn that over time. I agree with that. I absolutely agree with it. So, yeah, everything went wrong. I mean, I'll give a year because it's easier. Mm-hmm. It was um, Easter 2006. Yeah. And that's a long time from then till 2020. And mm-hmm. I think I've learned new things all the way along. And because at the beginning it was so horrific, yeah. I was almost starting from ground zero. That was the big one that, you know, was right at the end of the scale. And so I had a, an yeah. opportunity to feed in things little by little. And this was good. And this was not good. And Mm-hmm. But I think for that, just you need the time that, aspect, um, as you say. I remember earlier this year, an early stage of lockdown, um, I did a telephone consultation or a video consultation with a guy in the north of England who had, as far as we could tell, a significant disc problem, lots of nerve pain down his leg. And, and I gave him a fair bit of advice at first meeting. Um, and then we met again by video link a week later. And if anything, it was worse. Uh, so I was trying, you know, what have you been up to? And he started telling me all these different exercises he's found on YouTube. And the poor man was desperate. So he was basically uh, looking for all information on this subject. Absolutely. Have you got comments on the value of looking for lots of information from different sources? 
<laughs> I would say don't look anything up after midnight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a bad move. <laughs> but I also think to, th- to think about what you're actually doing to your body because if you're confusing your body, that's not going to help you. And you're probably better with some things mm. that work than with lots of tryouts. Mm. That's what I would say. But I think it's very easily easy if you're in that situation, mm. you want you want help, and help is available at a click, and you know, or you believe it to be available at a click, and. Yeah, yeah, you can you can go down wrong directions. Well, let, let, I think. Let's maybe dig into how to get yeah. some relief because we have a stool with three legs, and we've explored the surgical fit, <laughs> uh, and we've still got knowledge and and maybe I guess or the role I played, um, and the two are probably very closely interrelated. I would imagine. Um, I, I know that you have had knowledge from other sources, um, but given how much I saw of you over those years. Yes. Yes. Well, as you know, I had different incarnations coming into you of different things. Um, And I also came in, I well, start by saying one of the useful things that you said when I said, how long will it take me to get over the surgery? Because niggles did come in the course of a month. That is, you know, true as it probably would be if your back was okay. And I remember you saying it'll take a year. And that was really helpful to know. And if it's any use to anybody, I would say it gets better in the year after that. So in the second year, Mm-hmm. Until everything went wrong, of course, and I was back to with the next disc <laughs> being a problem. But so the the various are you wanting what you did, Gavin, or what the uh, things you said yeah, for me to do, or a mixture, a mixture of both? both. So, at so this point, if, if you're listening to this, you might be acquainted with the cliff of pain metaphor. I'm sure Susie is that I have used for many years. And I like to think of this journey in terms of relievers, so things that you can do that will get you some relief, and then preventers, so how do we minimise the risk of this all going wrong in the long term? Now, to some extent, I would put surgery in the kind of preventer category. That's, that's a, arguably, that may not be accurate from a, what's that word, Susie, the etymology, a, a kind of word, wordsmithing perspective, but... I mean, surgery is just such oh, a yeah, big yeah. intervention. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's solving that disc problem, at least for now. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. what, what, what was done to you or what did you do that you found afforded relief while considering surgery? Right. Right. Um, I'll do the things that help just anyway, and then I'll move on to the specifics. So the things that I could do that were not to do with an exercise regime. I looked, it's it's um, the Leonard Cohen thing. It's, it's the cracks where the light get in. I look for the cracks where the light gets in. And I found it in what I see, but I think we've all got sensory when we can't do anything, we've got sensory that we can harness. And we're lucky that way. If we can see, if we can hear, if we can touch, if we can smell, we are lucky people. And you can develop these senses. I mean, whiskey tasting taught me that. You really can develop a sense of smell. It's incredible. Really, really, truly. But that we can all do that. And for me, I think I've got a high visual sense and I find it easy to find moments of beauty. But in all, I think artists really look and musicians really listen. But I'm sure all of us can do better than we do normally in day-to-day life. And it's very enriching. It's a huge enrichment. And I think it's very calming as well. So I'll link that in with another thing which didn't suit me which are all these mindfulness things, didn't suit me at all. I would get, I think, the equivalent of that or semi-equivalent of that by 
just being peaceable and you know how you're breathing you, you know you, I know how to breathe well and just looking just looking and these things I found incredible. I mean, I, my dad was in a care home. I don't necessarily want to bring my dad into this, but um, the staff were saying they were all grumbling about what a rubbish day it was, you know, a miserable day mm. in the winter. Mm. And my dad said, but the trees are beautiful, and they are. And it's about seeing moments of beauty, and I used to pack as many moments of beauty as I could into a day. That really got me through an awful lot. Um, the bike, because as before surgery, and also to come to you, I couldn't have walked to you, no way. And it's only, what, 15-minute walk, something like that? I couldn't have walked, but I could cycle. And there's a lovely phrase that an artist puts on tiles with a picture mm -hmm. of a bike. Mm -hmm. You're only a cycle ride away mm -hmm. from a good mood. And that was that was me. Uh, so I could get, I, I just, you know, two rounds of the pedals, I could feel great. And that might not work for every, everybody, but it was about trying to pack as much good stuff into a day to keep the rubbish stuff mm. as far away from you as you possibly can. I mean, you can't because it's there, but to try and somehow put in, put input good, input good. So the other thing which... Um, was hugely helpful was obviously coming to you which I could do on a bike and I remember because I what we haven't mentioned is that in the middle of all this well not even in the middle possibly near the beginning I also managed to get three prolapse discs in my neck which was also proven with an MRI scan so at one point I had three down the lumbar spine and three <laughs> at my neck yeah. I mean really it was grim 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 and you said at that point, I've got one other thing that I can offer you. And it was, and you'll know in a few sessions yeah. whether or not it's going to work. And it was cranial osteopathy. And then it worked amazingly well, amazingly well for pain reduction. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I think I've said that amazing too many times, but it's true. And then you added in acupuncture at the same time. So I had for anybody who's listening. So I booked a double appointment with Gavin and you did, first of all, you did the normal stuff. And I think I took you yeah. through your entire range because you said that at one point. <laughs> uh, but also it was followed by the needles going in and the cranial stuff. And that was incredible. And I think one of the reasons that I've been left reasonably unscarred by the past 15 years and I I know I've affected by it I'm much more careful much more cautious than I used to be and I can see warning lights where I never used to see warning lights mm. but I think one of the things was I had relief I could sit mm. I could ride a bike I could sleep and I came to see you and I think if you put that into a package there's good in there and you saw me through the bleakest of bleak times. I have to yes, say that. Well, and I as, really as do you thank you for it. I, I have to add this for anybody listening in. You know, I, and you made the point right at the beginning of our, of our chat that I did say at the beginning, I don't know whether I can help or not, but I'm certainly happy to try. I think, I think if you are sitting as a listener, they are contemplating surgery, mm. You have not managed to find anybody to help you, but you are desperately looking for someone. If you have a confirmed disc prolapse that looks like it is causing the symptoms that you're experiencing, then be wary of people offering you cures. Because um, as, Susie, as Susie's story says, there isn't a cure. You know, there's, there's, um, there are things that we can do that hopefully will help short, medium and long term. But uh, anybody that says to you, oh, don't worry, I can fix that for you, um, I, I would be very wary. Um, but equally, for me as a practitioner, it's a fine line. I, I don't want to be all gloom and doom by any means. Um, I, I desperately want to offer hope and encouragement. But I, I wouldn't do that um, without some kind of ground for offering hope. Um, so, 
yeah, that, that would be my, my comment on that one is it's great if you can get relief from some kind of treatment. And for Susie, as you said, mm. um, that combination of craniosacral and uh, acupuncture seemed to work a treat, at least in the short term, uh, make, make life tolerable for a while. Um, but that, yeah, it got me through it. isn't the case for everyone, because uh, I have tried with others um, those kind of combinations of techniques. So... But, but keep trying, you know, explore, you know, for some people, acupuncture, I have sent uh, a few people to an acupuncturist here in Edinburgh, who I describe as a bona fide acupuncturist, I'm merely an osteopath who uses acupuncture techniques, whereas uh, Ming Chen is a, you know, Chinese acupuncturist, extremely, very, very experienced, and I, I would say, at least in one case, she afforded one gentleman an enormous amount of relief, which I couldn't really understand. And not just relief for a few days, but he got better. You know, his symptoms went away over the period of two day, two weeks. So keep trying, but have a dose of. I think as I think you mentioned, Susie. You know, you saw maybe a couple of people that you just you know, didn't you just didn't click. It didn't work for you. So listen to your intuition. Um, what have we not covered, Susie? Um, tell me about exercise. We've not anyway. covered doing these exercises every day. <laughs> that's the one thing we've not covered. <laughs> I think. I think that's the one. Well, what I would say for that is make friends with it. Make friends with whatever you get as an exercise routine. So for me, right at the beginning, when the physio said, if you do this every day, you'll have a strong core in four months, I thought, I can do that. And yeah, it worked. When I went to the Astley Ainsley, because I was referred on by you to the pain clinic, which took me then to the Astley Ainsley, a very brilliant, I thought, chartered physiotherapist said, we're going to lengthen your sciatic nerve. I thought that makes sense because then it won't pull the time on where it's jammed. And I thought, I had no idea you could do that. So if something's a good idea, go with it. And the other thing that I, the, the routine I now have is all lying flat. So supine, as you call it, but lying flat on my back. And I feel much safer doing that. And that's probably with the history that I have. Uh, but I need to feel safe and that makes me feel safe so I can do it and I would say that doing repetitive exercises are not my idea of a great fun time I love activity I love being out on my bike I love exploring I love going being out there for hours and hours and hours moving through space if you like but the idea of doing repetition is just I don't find interesting at all so I have made friends with it and I also don't question it I I treat it as toothbrushing the same same frame and I know it takes more time than toothbrushing which is I think a bit of a clincher for many people because you don't have the time and I think at certain stages of your life you have less time than at other stages of your life I should mention I'm now 67 maybe <laughs> and or nearly 67 a couple of weeks ago and um so yeah I can understand when people say they just can't fit it in but I think even if you do 10 minutes or five minutes, or some minutes, if you add them together, it will help. Because what you're really trying to do is you're trying to use your body better. And I know the word ergonomic actually is meant to apply to workplace situations, but I think it can. you could probably use the word just to apply to how you move yourself through your life. And if you can make yourself have, you can build your own lycra basically, you can one of the helpful things you said, Gavin, was front, back, and sides. You know, to make your front strong, your back strong, and your sides strong, and that makes sense yeah. because you've got all these bones stacked up. You want to enclose them in something that's a firm deal, and if you can build that, it's a great thing. And it's not hard. That's the other big thing I was going to say. It's really total, total win-win because you put in a little effort and you get a colossal result. So as long as you keep at it, you do. But by the same token, you can build up very quickly 
but your muscles will also build down very quickly. So mm-hmm. even when you think you're all right, actually, I'll just skip it. I don't think that's a good move. So for me, I just, I don't know if you want me to do mine, but I always have breakfast because I need calories. And then I will have a bath and then I will do the floor exercises. And that's my routine. And if it means getting up early, I get up early. And the other way, I Mm -hmm. 20 minutes. You could probably do them in two lots of 10. But I'd rather just do it at the beginning of the day and get it. And, and that way I don't get any, I get no niggles through the day if I do that. If I do it in a different order, which you do if you're staying somewhere or, you know, you're not in your own home, then I may well get niggles. Mm-hmm. But if I do the right thing, and for me, what I've worked out is the right uh-huh. way, I don't. I mean, it actually is that good, yeah. which is and astonishing. When you think that I came out of, you know, because Susie and I spent a fair bit of time going through exercises and modifying them and experimenting, again, I I would say to anyone listening, there are probably some good sound principles. My my number one rule is this, use it or lose it, but don't abuse it one. And it was really important with Susie that we found exercises that she felt safe to do because otherwise the apprehension level creeps up and that's just not good for your pain levels. Um, And ultimately, we don't know 100% for sure which exercises are right for Susie. And so, you know, you just have to experiment and try things and listen to the feedback and and don't let a therapist tell you this, these are yeah. the exercises we give yeah. for lumbar disc prolapses. Yeah. Because, you know, your, your lumbar spine is going to be different to Susie's. As Susie said, you know, she, she's actually very comfortable sitting through the worst of her nightmares. Um, and that isn't that common. So, you know, everybody's disc problem is unique and you need exercises that are tailored to you, not just these are the ones we give. Good. I um, wholeheartedly endorse um, all of that. Little because this might throw up um, yeah. other little bits that we haven't covered, Susie. Um, again, come, coming back to my cliff of pain metaphor, I talk about triggers, and for you, uh-huh. the first trigger was the cough that knocked you off that cliff of pain way back in 2006. Um, but the yep. risk factors, and I think the surgeon to some extent has mentioned them, I mean, you, you've had three significant lumbar disc prolapses and three cervical disc prolapses. You are genetically predisposed to disc problems. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. you can read that any mm-hmm. other way because, you know, again, your past mm-hmm. work history wasn't like you'd ever mm-hmm. done the roads for a living or were involved in heavy manual labour or trauma. So you've, you've been very unlucky <laughs> to have that number of disc problems. And for anyone listening who's had uh-huh. their first thinking, oh, Christ, I'm, I'm in big trouble if I, if I end up the same as this woman. Uh, you know, Susie, as I've said this to Susie over the years, uh, she's very unusual. Um, yes. I, I, in nearly 30 years of practice, I haven't seen many people, or I'll put it this way, I've seen two or three who've had multiple disc problems. The vast majority of people have a disc problem that isn't well managed and keeps recurring. But to have disc mm-hmm. problems at six different levels is, is not common. Mm-hmm. So in terms of risk factors, I think there's some kind of poor connective tissue in there. Um, and then, of course, you've got mm-hmm. this narrow spinal column, which, again, is just something you grew up with. <laughs> so two together, those are two very substantial risk factors for sciatic pain mm-hmm. originating in your lumbar spine. Uh, there may be some other risk factors in there, mm-hmm. um, and if you're interested in those, you know, go, go back and listen to episodes one to six of my podcast because I cover all that stuff there. Um, I was really interested in your talking about your other senses and the importance of what you can see and what you can touch and what you can hear and smell and so on. And for me, and I don't know if you've I listened to much of the stuff I've published in the last year or so, Susie, but I have this pain equation that I refer to. Yes. And one, one of the variables is attention. 
So, you know, if, if you know are focused yeah. on something yeah. enjoyable, then just by, you know, just nature, you don't experience as much pain. Um, and that might seem you know, a bit airy-fairy, but Susie, I think, is a great, you know, she's giving a great example of that, you know, whether it be the trees outside or something that pleases you. Just takes you away from the harsh realities of that pain. Yeah. Uh, again, I would wholeheartedly endorse no. that. Although there is the fact yeah. that you can't live in your unreality forever. You have to come back <laughs> to to you know doing the dishes or something, and mm, mm, you know yeah, you need that, a, some, something but to balance. To pack as the, much of that stuff in as you possibly can. Pain. And, and the bike, you know, one of the variables in my equation is movement without pain. So yeah, need, you know, I guess that's what you were doing on your bike. For you, it's a bike. For other people, it might be getting in a pool and walking up and down. It might be just lying on their back, gently waggling yeah. the leg from side to side. Whatever you can do that doesn't increase your pain is worth doing. Good. Um, now, again, anyone listening into this for the first time, I have got a podcast episode <laughs> where I interview Mr. Janis Fuyas, who's a spinal neurosurgeon here in Edinburgh. So, if you're interested in, you know, the kind of the surgeon's perspective on this, and I think you've listened to it, haven't you, Susie? Recently, yeah. And, and I think he is very balanced. You know, he's. You know, I've been practicing in Edinburgh for 28 yes. years. And it's very when I first came to Edinburgh, the, the best known yeah. spinal surgeon, uh, and I will not name him for obvious reasons, but was a pretty awful character <laughs> who, you know, if you weren't a, surger, a candidate for surgery, you pretty much told there was nothing wrong with you. Um, you know, did not have a great bedside manner, and I would say Mr. Fuyas is the opposite of that. He's very collaborative. Um, as indeed I suspect the vast majority of surgeons are nowadays. So talk to your surgeon, you know, listen to what they have to say because, you know, they've seen an awful lot of people in a similar situation. Yes. I, I would say the other one is don't rush into it, particularly if you think, mm -hmm. but I have to do whatever it is and I must get better because I felt exactly like that. I felt exactly like I didn't want to give up my life, which I effectively had to for a, a long time, or lots of bits of it. And But it's still a mistake. It's still a mistake to rush into it because you just might be able to, you know, through all the mm. nice non-invasive ways of doing it, it may just get better, as you have explained on many of your podcasts, Gavin, yeah. that, you know, it, you can get over it. I mean, but you didn't rush into any of them. And, for and me, it was the right one. The shortest time span was between yeah. flare-up and surgery, but, but it was, what, nine months? I know. Yeah, and the others were longer before you started to surgery so yeah don't, don't rush into yeah. it because many yeah, people yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. they do and we, there, are, there are studies yeah. demonstrating this many disc problems can resolve as it were spontaneously which is basically a body healing you know that, that can happen it didn't happen for Susie but it can happen and I've seen it happen many times um, so yeah as Susie says don't rush into it um, okay so are there I was, I was keen to learn, I think there are, but have you got any thoughts on, has there been a silver lining? Yes, I think mostly there are silver linings. This one, well, several really. One, um, one thing that I think probably everybody will relate to is I think you might, I might be aging better. Because I'm now in my, well, uh, nearly 67. It's, you oh, know, it's, yeah. I, I certainly don't think it's, oh, my dad was walking till he was 104. Yeah. And yeah, and he he was extraordinary. He was extraordinary. And he had back problems, though. Despite mm. being brought up in the Alps, spending a lifetime walking, he still had back problems. So this is maybe with the inherited bit. But I would say that, um, I, I I don't know how to phrase it, but you 
you learn how to live differently and how to make yourself strong and how to make yourself supple and how to not do too much and you learn to recognize things and I think all of that is hugely valuable and I also regard it almost like tools in the toolbox I feel that I can open the toolbox and think right you know either these exercises or this particular approach or, 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 but it feels like a security to feel that I have these things that I have now learnt, and even learning about the anatomy, yeah. I feel that it's a learnt thing, and I wouldn't have learnt it without this happening. This led me there to that a huge amount of learning about backs and learning about yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I've always had as a phrase, even before this happened, is the art of the possible. What's holding you back? What is the what can you do? Uh, but this was a whole new version of it. But it's nice to think of what you can do rather than what you can't do. And I think that's yeah. led me I mean, more into that than than before. So yeah, definite silver linings. And I've met some lovely people along the way <laughs> and really helpful. I've experienced a lot of kindness. A huge amount of kindness yeah. my, and collaboration and, and support and all that. That, that has to be sort of around out, too. You know, before you ever had a disc problem, you're, I think you're a resilient person. You're certainly someone, as you say, who looks for the cracks uh, right. and that is enormously important when you're facing this kind of essentially mm. adversity, you know, these difficulties, pain at that level for that length of time is a hard thing to live through. And if you're someone whose glass is always half empty, it's a lot, lot harder. So if you are, you know, if you're sitting listening to this and think, yeah, that's me, then look for some support with that. You know, I mean, Susie, I don't think you ever went, as it were, down. I'm sure the pain clinic had an element of sort of psychology on offer. Mm. But from what I remember, there was never really anything of value. You didn't just didn't need it. Well, I tell you what happened, Gavin. Um, you probably didn't have the full thing of the playing clinic. The first one was I was given, along with a group in a group situation, a tens mm. machine, which I found again hugely helpful. And the two dials on the tens machine were set by the nurse there, and that I think was helpful because she knew where to set them rather than just reading the instructions. And then I was sent to the Astley Ainsley because they did groups. You know, you you join a group and it's a twelve week session or something, and I said and when does the next group start and it was a one and a half hour um talk with this chartered physiotherapist before before anything happened and when I asked which group we're in his instant reply was you're above the group he said there are people who are above the group and there are people who are below the group and they pull the group down and he says I'll give you you'll you said you'll need a few one-to-one sessions with me and then you should be okay and that was incredibly helpful. And I think the only reason, well, the, the only reason, I think it was something to do with being, uh, looking for the cracks where the light gets in. Yeah. I, I yeah, think it, I mean, that it was definitely to, to a thing rather than looking for the things that make you miserable. Positive versus, um, I always struggle to remember this word. And you, yeah. Not because I don't know the word, but it just vanishes from yeah. my brain when I go to get it. Um, it basically means sort of chewing <laughs> over um, your problems. Um, or come to me. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you chew over your problems, if you're one of those people who's constantly worrying about something, yeah. then that's not good. Um, and, and certainly we know from a research perspective the outcomes for people who are like that tend to be much, much poorer than people who, you know, kind of look on the bright side and, uh, and get on with it and, you know, empower themselves to, to, to find ways of just feeling better at the moment to moment, day to day. So, great. Well, thank you, Susie. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to throw in there? <laughs> before... I think we've covered it. There's nothing else that I can think of right now that says, we haven't mentioned that. So thank you. I'm 
Phil, I was quite nervous before doing this because I was thinking I'm going to have to go through into some really, really bad times that I had over the last oh, many years. But it has been really good. So thank you for asking. And um, thank you for letting me share this story with whoever it is that wants to listen. Well, I'm sure they're all sitting there thanking you for being willing to share because, as you say, you know, it can be difficult dredging some of this stuff up. Um, but I'm sure you've provided a lot of hope and practical advice for people. So thank you very much, Susie. Mm, thanks, I think I'll go going back the other way <laughs> um, for, for lots and lots of stuff. Yeah, great. Okay, so... Thank you again, Susie, and um, look forward to speaking um, outside the podcast. And if you're listening, thank you for listening. And do share this on whatever digital social platforms you use so that we can reach more people and help more people. Okay, thanks very much, Susie. Goodbye. Thanks, Gavin. Bye and all best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if like me, you thought that was great, I'm delighted. Uh, delighted to have provided you some insights into the world of lumbar disc surgery and what it's like as a patient. Don't forget you can get a free assessment to start you on whatever journey you're on or maybe you're already well into that journey. You can get a free assessment at backpainandsciatica.com if you'd like to consult me in person and you happen to be in the Edinburgh area in Scotland then active-x.co.uk. But as I say, great place to start is get that free assessment at backpainandsciatica.com and that will open up a whole world of help for you. Okay, I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the ActiveX Back Show. If you found this helpful, please pass along our web address to your friends and colleagues, active-x.co.uk, and please leave us a positive review on iTunes. If you have any questions related to lower back pain or sciatica, send them in, and Gavin will aim to answer them in future episodes. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at ActiveX Backs.